Because one of the... Oh, wait, hold on. There's a siren. It's not moving. Just like it's parked there. You might be. Maybe you have somebody outside who needs a ambulance, Sam. Yeah, but they don't keep the siren running while they park and load the person in there. That's true. Maybe you can't turn it off. <laughs> He's like, ah! The switch is broken. everybody and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. And today, oh, I forgot the part about what our podcast is. <laughs> what do we do, Danielle? Who are we? <laughs> Why are we here? Why are all these people listening questions, to us? Big questions in the, the world. All right, let's start that again. I mean, we could just go from here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast where we talk about media that the other person has no experience or knowledge with. Any media? Uh, most media. Is it just normal media? It's weird media. There it is. <laughs> Would you like God. me to re-say that, Sam? I think we're good. I think we should keep this. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, Sam. Really set the tone for this episode. <laughs> it's going to be a long day. Oh, man. So today it is my honor, my pleasure, my privilege to introduce Ooh. you to what I'm sure will be the first of many James Bond films. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Getting into that that rabbit hole, huh? We are, because there are several really great, weird James Bond films, and this is just one of, of the many. Oh. So today, we are going to be doing 2002's classic, the 20th Bond film in the James Bond series, 20th? Die Another Day. Okay. I, I didn't realize that there were that many by 2002. Yeah, because they've been around for a very long time. I got that. I didn't realize they like, they made one so and they made them so frequently. I thought they were maybe like I don't know cicadas. They just came out every couple of years on some kind of weird hibernation schedule. No, well, this is a Pierce Brosnan film, so it's uh, that incarnation. So by the time it. we got to Brosnan, we've done like it's, a dozen, it's not a dozen. It's quite a few Bonds, though. <laughs> well, by the time we get to Brosnan, it's probably around twenty-ish. I'd say. No, it's not twenty different James Bond. Though, no, I mean like films. Right, there's 20 James Bond films, but there were only like four or five Bonds prior to that. I'm not sure where this is in the canon of Brosnan Bond films. What do you mean the canon? Like, are they all connected? No, it's just in terms of how many he did, because he did several. I'm not sure if this was where this was in that scope of Ah, the several that he did. Die another day. Well, ideally, that is what we'd all like to do. (laughs) And you'll see how it ties in this week on Book Retorts. Stay tuned right after these messages from our sponsors. <laughs> Which we don't. Bondios. <laughs> We're like, where are you going with that? <laughs> For the breakfast of secret agents with little O's and little sevens, you can make your own 007 soup. I can't Bondios. believe they never made a James Bond 007 cereal or soup. Uh, they might have. It's just alphabets <laughs> with like just zeros and sevens, or I guess just zeros and L's. You can just turn the L's upside down. Oh, it's a seven. Sure. Then you have to change any of the manufacturing. It's like the easiest cereal to make. Kellogg's, call me. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, he's full of good ideas. Good ideas that will lose money. All right. Anyway, well, quick, quick I'm question, send man. You. Before, no, no, before we get started, I got to ask. Oh, gosh. Would okay. Bondios be fruit flavored, frosted, or chocolate? Uh,. Yeah. Would they be frosted? Would they be marshmallows, like marshmallow PP7s? God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, like the little freeze-dried marshmallows? 
I'm not a big marshmallow fan in general. They're fine on s'mores. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad we established that. So frosted double O's and sevens with marshmallow PP sevens. Got yes, it. Yes, exactly. PPKs, whatever. <laughs> All right. I really am going to send you the summary of this. Oh, right. Soon. We're doing a podcast. I forgot. <laughs> I got all wrapped up in my pitch to corporate America. <laughs> and if you want more pitches, check out Beauty Queens. <laughs> <laughs> that that episode was full of brilliant TV show ideas. It was. Most of them were not Sam's, just the authors. <laughs> well, of course. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy to promote them. All right. Here is the summary. I'm sending it your way right now. Here we go. James Bond is sent to investigate the connection between a North Korean terrorist and a diamond mogul who is funding the development of an international space weapon. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that tracks. That seems like everything I know about James Bond, which is pretty much what I've absorbed through the zeitgeist. And you've seen a couple movies, but not very many at all. No, I've seen a few James Bond movies, and I'm very familiar with James Bond just through, like, being alive in modern era and having seen parodies and video games and everything else and just, you know, absorbed James Bond through osmosis of knowledge of things that are very popular. Yeah, and I'm on the opposite spectrum of that, which I've seen most James Bond movies, but not all. Which is why I'm so excited you're going to share with me, because I could not tell you the specific plot of any James Bond movie. I don't know if I could tell you the specific plot of any James Bond movie. So they all just blend They're together all very in your similar. head? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> my biggest problem is I can't differentiate an actual James Bond plot from, like, that one Simpsons episode with Scorpio, or... <laughs> The double, the golden eye video game or, you know, whatever. Like they all sort of blur together in my head as one miasma of spies and parodies and Austin Powers and whatever. That's, that's completely fair though, I think, because though the Bond films often have darker tones or are sometimes take themselves a little more seriously, there's so many like throwaway lines and comedy bits in it that they kind of all have that feeling of being a parody of themselves as they're going along. Well, I'm excited to hear why Die Another Day is particularly a spectacular Bond movie to share. I think it's just the lack of logic in some of these things. Like, James Bond has this history of just, like, somehow knowing exactly where and when he should go next, and you have no idea why. Oh, it's one of those magic, all-knowing James Bond movies, huh? Always, yes. Okay, let's get this started. Please. So it opens up in North Korea along the Pukchong coast. Apologies to anybody who speaks Korean, <laughs> if that is incorrect. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, James Bond was known for its cultural sensitivity, so. <laughs> I, th I, yes, and I'm not going to get into it too much in this movie. Um, I think overall it's okay, but it was North Korea and South Korea both took a little bit of umbrage with some of the... Uh, Depictions? Uh, just that... Like certain things, like at one point, one of the Koreans was like told by an American superior to do something and they did it and Korea didn't like that because that wouldn't necessarily happen. You know, that kind of stuff, just like the oh, okay. westernization of it. That's fair. That's fair. But overall, it doesn't spend a whole lot of time on it. It's mostly about the action. Well, that's what we're here for. So it opens with a person in a full body wetsuit and helmet that is surfing a wave to what should be the North Korean shore. <laughs> this guy be James Bond. We don't know that yet. Okay. So he's surfing along the <laughs> Context wave. Context clues. <laughs> the, name <laughs> of the, the name of the movie is James Bond, Die Another Day. It Probably could be a James bad Bond. guy. You don't know. Uh, that's fair. 
And so suddenly there are like more people on surfboards that somehow like ride in tandem. It was like synchronized surfing. Are they the- <laughs> like teammates of his or are they like evil guys on surfboards? Like I wasn't it- sure in the beginning, but it's apparently teammates. <laughs> okay. So they decided their best chance for infiltrating the Korean coastline is surfboards. I mean, I think that's not necessarily untrue in that they assume they have like satellite systems and stuff and they would see almost anything else so you probably would have to like surf in or paraglide in or something sure that's actually the entire plot of a korean drama (laughs) surfboards are famously easy to ride yeah so there's surfboarding in i don't know if they took a boat to the outer edges there's no intro as to how they got to the coastline in the first place great and so there are military korean men walking the shore and they sneak past them they make it to shore and a helmet is taken off and one of the men of course is james bond played by pierce brosnan the one and such only. a dream boat especially in the 2000s era yeah and that accent sign me up <laughs> the irish english accent yeah so james shoves a stake into the ground which promptly opens up like a little flower and there's like this umbrella dish that rotates towards the sky uh-huh and it seems to be communicating with a helicopter that is somewhere in the the sphere above them <laughs> but the helicopter could be that close up being all right never mind i'm not okay I'm not well gonna... no, it makes sense in a second okay and so the helicopter kind of like changes directions slightly and there's a guy inside of the helicopter with a metal briefcase and they land the helicopter he exits and he's confused because clearly that's not where he's supposed to be oh james takes the briefcase and then he also steals his sunglasses and puts them on which was kind of funny that's just a jerk move just don't take the guy's sunglasses you're professional man you can't surfboard with sunglasses with your helmet on well he took that off he has a suit on now (laughs) is it night or is it day it is daytime oh okay i I was imagining this was all like surfing under the cover of dark Darkness. No, but it's like midday. <laughs> that's even... Oh, that's just like, all right. <laughs> I don't know, Sam. And so they take the guy away, the one that came in with the suitcase, and James takes his spot on the helicopter with the briefcase in his hand. And the pilot's just like, cool, new, new dude. Well, the ki- pilot's clearly in on it, because once the uh. little like dish signal alerted him, that's where he went. Uh. So he's on the helicopter, it takes off again, and James Bond opens up the briefcase, and it's filled with diamonds, little diamonds. Aw, Cute little diamonds. And they're baby very diamonds. cute. And he lifts up the box top that has all the diamonds in it, and he starts putting C4 in it. Uh, sure. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> so he puts C4 into it, and then his watch, which I don't, I don't know if you remember from any James Bond movie, but oh, his, watch his watches always, are always magic. Well, yeah, like yeah, magic, yeah. yeah. So he has apparently has like a detonator pin in this one watch. So he pulls out the pin and like sticks it in the C4 and puts the diamonds back on top of it. Why? If he already had the C4, right? And he was planning to do this whole thing. Why didn't he just get like a regular detonator and I come prepared? I don't know the answer. To that. <laughs> Why, I'm like, not even 100% sure I remember where the C4 came from. I'm assuming it was on the helicopter. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, whole, they plan the C4 thing. Like, oh, we're going to give you all the C4 you need. We're going to let you, you know, rig this briefcase to explode. But you're going to have to come up with your own detonator using your watch because apparently surfing in with an actual detonator would be too difficult. Well, maybe they were just like, oh, he has one on his watch. It's fine. We don't need to include one in the C4 pack. <laughs> I'm thinking the watch detonator is probably a lot more expensive 
and probably a lot shorter range, a lot less reliable than a purpose-built detonator. But it looks cool, Sam. Okay, uh, well, it's cooler when he like. And then he has this watch, which is like the button he could push to set off the detonator. It's like yeah, a convenient okay. thing. Sure. All right. Fine. Whatever. So the helicopter lands in the demilitarized zone in North Korea, which is also a thing that comes up on the screen, words that come up on the screen that explain where they are. And it's Colonel Tan Soon's moon's headquarter Tom's i know who moon's. that is yes well you don't know that yet but you'll find out in just a moment because <laughs> the scene changes to a military guy which is colonel moon and he is kickboxing a bag assumedly in a workout and oh, just for fun i don't know well after he kickboxes it several times they he's like open it and they open the bag and this man like spills out on the ground so he's actually kickboxing a man in a, oh. in a bag well that's like just a Good use of multitasking. If you got to rough up a guy and get your reps in. Mm-hmm. And then he looks at the window. He sees the helicopter landing and he's like, find me a new anger therapist. And he storms off. <laughs> Some great one-liners in this movie. It's so oh, good. wow. I'm already loving this. Yeah. I ripped out a bunch of them just for you. Oh, thank you. So James exits the helicopter and this super hot guy, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> oh. He like pulls out this little camera thing and takes his picture covertly. And he, you can see him sending it, like transmitting it to somebody. And Zhao is the name of the hot guy. And he's played by Rick Yoon. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Rick Yoon's been in a ton of stuff. If you probably, I don't know, you probably recognize him if you looked up his picture. Sure. And he's there to meet James. And the colonel shows up. He's all dressed in his finery now, not in his kickboxing outfit. Cleans up quick. And James says he's there to thank him because few men want to trade conflict diamonds since the UN embargo. And so it's clear that James is pretending to be somebody who's changing. Yeah, few men, just the De Beers Corporation. (laughs) Yes. So Colonel Moon is like, I know all about the UN. I studied at Oxford and Harvard. I studied Western hypocrisy. (laughs) Very dramatic. Colonel Moon. I kind of like him. <laughs> he's kind of a good character. So it's obvious. It's an arms deal. Bond is undercover, and he's trading the diamonds for weapons. Sure, I, I could have predicted that. I think. And so Colonel Moon brings in the weapons on hovercrafts. <laughs> wait, wait. Like Star Wars floating pallets or like actual modern hovercrafts with like skirts and fans? Skirts and fans. Okay. Like giant fans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like our actual hovercraft. Yeah, like a hovercraft. But he has like a whole fleet of them because apparently he's been storing the arms in their minefield, which is between North and South Korea. And that's kind of where he's storing them. And he's like, the hovercrafts can float over all the mines. It's like the perfect place to... I'm not sure that's true. I mean, <laughs> no, but I don't know it, I a mean, lot about hovercrafts, but that seems like you got to have a downward force to keep them hot. Um, there's just some, there's like, a lot of questionable laws being <laughs> violated here. So. so they float through the minefield and they, they show up where they all are. And as this is happening, Zhao receives a transmission back on his little camera phone thing that James Bond is James Bond, that he's MI6. And Ooh. He tells Colonel Moon kind of on the sly, like, this is a secret, like, secret agent. He's going to kill you. (laughs) So Moon pretends to show him the weapons. He's like, look at, look at our weapons. Let me show you a demonstration. And he ends up blowing up the helicopter that James came in on. With this demonstration. How how very covert. His parting line is, how do you propose to kill me now, Mr. Bond? So the gig's up. I'm sure he could shoot him. He's standing right there. (laughs) Which, but yes, Yes, there's like going to be a firefight. Clearly, everybody's guns go up. So they're promptly interrupted by the general, who is Moon's father. So there's Colonel Moon and General, general Moon. Daddy Moon. Yeah. 
And General Daddy Moon, walkie-talkie's <laughs> over. He's like, what's going on? Because there's like a lot of, obviously, noise and kind of a little uh, bit of firefight explosion, stuff. A helicopter an explosion, yeah. He's like, what's with the fire? And everybody panics because clearly this is not supposed to be going down. Like General Moon doesn't know about this. And so everybody panics and runs uh, trying to put out the fire. And Moon is like, kill the spy. And James blows his detonator with his magic watch. Of course. And these diamond shards shoot out and shoot into Zhao's skin. So he has, like, diamond shards in his skin. Oh, is that how he's going to be disfigured and recognizable throughout the rest of the movie? Uh, he's very recognizable anyway because he's super hot. But yes. <laughs> is he the henchman? Yeah, but kind of. Sort of. There's multiple bad guys in this. Okay. Wow, this is this is way more complicated than I'm used to <laughs> for a Bond movie. It gets more... This is one of those movies that kind of starts to spiral out of control. By, like, midway through, you're like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> Okay, well, I'm already there, so I'm ahead of the curve. <laughs> so Bond steals a hover car because you can't have hover cars in a James Bond film and not have Bond, like, drive them somewhere. Have a nice low-speed chase on a hovercraft. <laughs> yeah. Except it's, it's higher speed chase because, you know, Bond movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> a low-speed chase would be pretty funny. And so well, he- hovercraft don't go that fast, is my point. <laughs> but they do in this movie. So Uh-oh. he steals a hover car and a machine gun and escapes into the minefield, of course. Ooh. And Moon manages to get ahead of him, and they're shooting at each other this whole hovercraft battle ensues back and forth. All these hovercrafts are like exploding into the air and flipping over. Mines are blowing. The Bond theme plays, the classic Bond theme. And Moon is just having like a grand time. You can tell he's kind of into it until (laughs) Bond Uh gets ahead of his hovercraft and like blocks it, kind of like butts up against it and jumps onto Moon's hovercraft. Ooh, that's just rude. And then in what I think is a very unrealistic scenario, he somehow finds an unused bulletproof vest, like he pulls it off somebody who's dead or grabs it, I don't know, and he lifts it up to block bullets and Moon is conveniently only firing at the bulletproof vest. (laughs) Yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, and the the it's not like the vest is like moving or whacking Bond, which it probably would with the force of the bullets. It's just like he puts it up, blocks the bullets, and then like throws it off to the side. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. That's, you know, it's a new one. <laughs> and then Moon finds a flamethrower on his hovercraft, and he starts <laughs> everything on there. against Bond. <laughs> Wow. Block that with your bulletproof vest. I know. So Bond kind of like rolls away, like hides on the hovercraft. And Moon is at now at the back of the craft where the big fan is. And Bond runs to the front and he shoves the accelerator and it starts to speed up, causing Moon to get sucked and stuck to the back of the fan. So he's like stuck there <laughs> with his flamethrower. Well, wouldn't the flames be like coming back at him? From- Never mind. Yes, he, he stopped shooting it. Oh, okay. And then he Bond drives the craft into a closed gate, which conveniently blocks a dam opening. And the hovercraft shoots off the dam into the water below. And Bond, I don't know, jumps free. You don't really see it, but somehow grabs hold of a rope that is connected to a giant bell. And he's like Over holding- a dam. Yeah, over a dam. I don't know why there's this giant bell by this dam. I'm sure that makes sense in some context. However, he's holding the rope and it's like swinging and banging and like the, the bell is going back and forth. And he's like, oh, saved by the bell. <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's kind of funny. I don't actually had to watch that scene twice because like, how did he get up? Why is there a belt? How did he get up to the bell? Did he like, what? <laughs> well, what's the bell hanging from? Is it like, I it's don't like understand. A stru- so they- there's a structure, like a tower structure, and the bell is this giant bell and a so gong the thing. So the craft went over the dam and he jumped out before it went over the, the falls. 
so yeah, to speak. I don't I don't know if this bell is like at the entrance of the dam. I I don't quite know. It's cool. just like a ledge that like goes straight down into the I don't know if it's like fully a dam. It could just be a ledge. But okay. It kind of looks like a dam. You know what? Sure. Say about the bell. <laughs> Gotta get that pun in there. All right. I'm sure the music starts playing. Classic Bond opening right now. Uh, not quite. So the general <laughs> shows up, General Moon, and he looks down at the dam at the overturned craft that's in there and is probably dead son. And he captures Bond, basically. Which is like, oh, there you are. Hang up on the bell. Well, he's now down on the ground. But yes, he, all his, you know... Military guys rush forward, capture Bond. Sure. And so then the next scene is performing some water torture on Bond. They're like dunking his head into this icy bath water. And now the classic Bond music plays. So the screen switches to all these- What? Oh, let's start the whole exciting pump up during the torture scene. (laughs) They do. They put his head into the water. You see this shot of his face like under the water, like they have underwater shots Uh going up to his face. And then it- all the ice kind of dissolves and it dissolves into these icy women who are like dancing. They're just little ice women. Ugh. And scorpions all over. That's such a choice. <laughs> and I don't know why there are scorpions, Sam. There are scorpions all over the beginning of this movie. You think they're going to come into play and they don't really. They don't. No, okay. <laughs> like, it's a big deal in the opening well, to this. Scorpions are the diamonds of the arachnid family. Yes. But you think that the, if, if they're going to have it in their intro opening, it's going to make a big deal that it would actually play into the movie, and it barely does. And so <laughs> wow. the theme is Die Another Day by the great Madonna. Well, obviously. Good choice. So then the scene switches, and you see this woman's face looking in on Bond, who is in a jail cell. He's looking very haggard. He's got a big beard growth, long hair. Ooh. And it's apparently been 14 months since we last saw our hero. 14 months? in a North Korean prison. I know, sounds fun. So he's taken into the general. He's pulled out of his jail cell, taken into the general. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I just got to back up for a second here because I'm very confused by the opening that led him to this point. Uh Uh-huh. James Bond, the master plan from MI6 was if a bunch of guys surfboard into (laughs) North Korea to hijack a helicopter, which they already have their own guy in that helicopter, so they could have landed literally anywhere, and then have James Bond get in that helicopter. All the other people who were there just are irrelevant now. And he was trying to assassinate this Colonel Moon by loading the diamond briefcase with explosives to deliver to him. What was his escape plan? I have no idea what his escape plan was. I don't think he expected it to go quite as bad as it did. He was replacing a guy who was supposed to be doing the trade, yeah. so he was pretending to be that guy. So maybe but his like plan was all, just all to the fl- support people that came in with him just sort of vanished. Well, some of them took that other guy away, the one that he okay. replaced. This just seems like a very poorly thought out plan. Like, well, there was I no think plan his plan B, was, was to no do the trade. Group. Like, prove yeah. that something was going on and maybe leave in the helicopter, because I don't think he expected his helicopter to be blown up. This is, he should be prepared for that! <laughs> I agree. However, now he's stuck in North Korea, Sam. You just gotta accept this, or we're never gonna get through the rest of this movie. All right, all right. I, I, I'll accept this. I'll go with it. I just want to point out, I expect better from my six. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. This movie is full of things where you're like, what was the exit strategy? Or how does he know this? Or, like, why... Would he go there? Like, none of it makes sense. <laughs> Fair enough. So he's pulled out of the jail cell. He's taken to the general who has like the pinchers in his hand, like the torture pinchers. And he's like, I don't yeah, condone the torture what pinchers, they're doing. That's what they're called. He's like, I don't condone what they're doing here, which seems less than honest when you're <laughs> holding some pinchers in your hand. 
I don't condone torturing like I'm doing right now, but I'm going to do it anyway. He's like, you're being defiant. We just want our information. Your government's denied your existence. It's out of my hands now. And they take, you don't know what he's talking about. They take Bond uh, by truck to an outside location back kind of into the camp. And they're talking about his son, like the death of his son. And you find out that his son was betraying his country and name by doing this arms deal. Like he wasn't supposed to be doing it. And the general wants to know who his ally in the West was that he had made all these deals with. And who was it that betrayed him? Because Because maybe they could be like... The enemy of your enemy is your friend kind of thing. Yeah, and he just wants to avenge his son, I think. And Bond says it's the same person that betrayed him, but he doesn't know who it is. So somebody has betrayed both the son and James Bond. Why does MI6 have so many moles? I don't know, but they have one like every movie. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like Again, I've not seen a lot of James Bond movies, but one of the things I know is that MI6 is leakier than a sieve. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. There's also a scene later where MI6 has no idea what's going on, but like other agencies seem to. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) I feel like the Bond movie is supposed to be like this great export of British uh, nationalist pride. And it just seems like they paint MI6 as kind of bumbling idiots more often. Like I would be pretty upset if I was a British person working in the intelligence agencies. They'd be like, well, this is how they portray us. I'm not flattered by this. So yeah, apparently there's a mole. Mole in the agency once again. Of course. Who is it going to be? You don't know yet, Sam. Well, tell me the other named actor in the movie. Oh, there's several main actors in this movie. So good luck. Oh, well, geez. This movie really (laughs) pulled one on me then. So there's this firing squad and James Bond is there. He looks like he's going to be shot any minute. And General Moon is like, turn around and walk. And the firing squad, as Bond turns around and starts to walk, the firing squad then gets into their truck and starts to drive away. And there's an English voice that comes over this intercom system. And they're like, Bond, walk forward. And so... He walks across this bridge that is dramatically covered in mist, so you can't see who is out, out in the world. (laughs) And so he is like, something must be going on. Obviously, there's like English-speaking people across this bridge, not that he can see them yet. Wasn't General Moon speaking English too? No. Well, yes, he was. When he was speaking to Bond, he was. It goes back and forth between Korean and English. Okay. So... Apparently, he's being traded with the English or Americans or whoever's on the other side for Zhao, who has been picked up after he... The hunky diamond-encrusted guy. Yeah. So he has like the diamond spots on his face. He was, I guess, picked up after he tried to blow up some summit or something Zhao was. And now he's being traded back to the Koreans for James Bond. But you don't know why. Because usually they just leave him there. Like, why? 14 months. Like, they weren't going to pick him up otherwise. (laughs) So as he makes it to the English speaking people he's immediately jumped and he's dosed with something and the next scene is him in like a hospital setting obviously some kind of like underground or dark facility like it's in some place that is not a hospital (laughs) and they're running scans on him to make sure he's not sketchy i guess to make sure he is who he's supposed to be that they didn't put weird implants i don't know they're just running some body scans on him cyborg bond (laughs) a mecha bond And they say, oh, he's been stung by scorpions, like a lot of scorpion venom in his body and lots of anti-venom as well. So clearly they're using the scorpions to inflict pain and then giving him the end of it. But it never comes back, Sam. (laughs) 
It, it seems to me and that there was a large scorpion plot in this movie that through either rewrites or editing just got removed. Yeah, and there's like a, shots of this woman multiple times. I actually looked up a little like entry about her because like maybe there was a bigger plot line that they cut out. And apparently like she has a, a name and yeah, she like uses the, I forget what the scorpion group's called, but they use scorpions to get information from their victims. And I was like, where was that plot? <laughs> <laughs> it made the director's cut. Maybe I like, maybe this was based on one of the books specifically. Sure. So then M shows up. Do you know who M is, Sam? Uh, yes. M is Dame Judy Dench in yes, the new in movies. Yes, in this particular movie rendition. Oh, this one too. Okay, yes, cool. she is Judy Dench and she's kind of like his handler. Head of MI6, right? Yep. Yeah, give or take. And she shows up. And the M stands for mommy because she's like the mommy <laughs> Of James Bond. Oh, mommy, can you take care of us, mommy? We're here to, to help James Bond, mommy. The right? very apathetic mom, yes. All right. I tried. I don't know what to stand for. <laughs> so he awakens. He's in the hospital room. He's, you know, it's not strapped to a table, but laying down on a table. And M says, he's she's kind of like pissed off at him. Like, yeah. I didn't really want to see you again. Like, why are you here? And she's mad that they had to trade Zhao to get him back. And why Bond not is like, just not trade him? <laughs> well, we'll get there. So Bond is angry as well. He's like, why would you trade me? Like, I know the rules. I know I wasn't getting picked up by you all again. I had accepted that that was the case. And M explains that the top American agent in North Korea, so one that was like undercover, was executed a week prior. And the Americans intercepted a signal from Bond's prison naming the American as a traitor. And they think that it was Bond that gave the North Koreans the name as he was the only inmate that was in the prison. So the Americans are accusing Bond of spilling the beans. Yeah, so Britain had to like get him out ASAP because it was not going to go well. And so M wonders if he cracked due to all the ven venoms and toxins, like he wouldn't even know what he was saying at that point. And Bond is like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, He's very confident for a man who's been in prison for more than a year. Who probably has been under some serious medications and probably did say all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, this is the problem with torture, Daniel. I mean, there are many problems <laughs> with torture. But as an information gathering technique, it is unreliable at best because you can never be sure if the person telling you anything is telling it to you because it's true just to get you to leave them alone or because they're delirious. It's just torture. I'm against torture, Danielle. <laughs> Not fair. just because it's awful, but because it's inefficient. There you go, everybody. Sam is against torture. Brave stance. There are so many better ways to get information. Torture is just a waste of time. It's inefficient. It's criminally inefficient. Well, apparently he thinks it didn't work on him anyway because he's convinced that it's the same person who betrayed them earlier is who gave the name of the American to North Korea. Well, that's a good question, <laughs> M. If he was betrayed, which he clearly was, have you looked into that maybe? Have you uh, even tried to it see? It is not clear that MI6 has done anything in the last 14 months to gosh. figure this out. Oh my gosh. MI6 <laughs> is, is made to look so incompetent. I feel bad <laughs> for him. And maybe there was lots of behind the scenes stuff and they just never figured it out, but it... It does not say in this movie. And so he thinks that they're now manipulating it so Zhao can get out of prison. Okay. So their whole plan was they want to free Zhao. So they betrayed another American spy to make it seem like Bond was a betrayer. So they betrayed him? Give or take. Yep. That, that was That's a complicated plan. But yes. 
I didn't think about how complicated that plan was, but you're right. It's crazy. Yeah, no, that's insane plan. <laughs> like your plan is not just break Zhao out of prison if you already have the inside track. Your plan is to try to set up James Bond to look like he betrayed his country instead of them just like ignoring it or assassinating him or whatever. You knew they would trade him for – I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Well, apparently it works out because Zhao is now back in North Korea and Bond is back on wherever he is. And so M tells him he's like out of service. He's not allowed to work anymore. And oh, she says that in every movie, right? Not every movie, but lots of movies, yes. And Bond, <laughs> You're off the force. You're off the case. Turn in your badge and gun. Of course, Bond is like, uh, okay, but I'm also totally going to go prove my innocence. So oh, boy. peace out. But he's stuck in this hospital there. He's like under guard. So I don't know how this works. It's maybe possible. Bond, like, M leaves that evening. Bond does, like, a zen moment to make his heart stop beating. Uh, does he feign <laughs> death? Does he take him out of there and then he escapes? Yes, that's exactly okay. what happens. We'll skip okay. ahead. <laughs> oh, look. Come on. I've seen movies before. So he zens it. The heart monitor goes flat. Everybody freaks out. <laughs> I don't out. think that works, though. It's like, what? I mean, no offense to James Bond. I'm sure he is a, a Buddhist Zen master or whatever, because you've heard like you know the myths of, of monks or whoever who could meditate so deeply their heart stop. But I don't think between all the gunplay and spy training, he had time to attain enlightenment. <laughs> Apparently, he did because it works. The, this Great! Is, I love this scene. So the doctors like run up to use the paddles on him to do his heart. That's not how those work. <laughs> I know, but then he like turns the paddles to the doctors and like pushes them on them right as they like push the button and it like shocks the doctors like you see like actual electricity and they like fall <laughs> backwards and i was like what? that's not how any of this works no what <laughs> and he shakes them all off and he he starts to escape and uh one of the nurses that had given him cpr earlier his check his line he's like i'm checking out thanks for the kiss of life <laughs> he just like Ooh. beats it that's so creepy. <laughs> I don't, I, if I was that nurse, I'd be like, good riddance. It was funny. So <laughs> apparently he's on a ship. That's where this hospital was. Oh, it's, a, it's a floating hospital. Cool. It is, yeah. And he swims to a dock, a nearby dock, and it's the Yacht Club in Hong Kong. And he just so like he walks was into on the building. a British ship just off the docks in Hong Kong. And yeah, it's like a little bit farther out. He has to swim ways, but he manages to make it. Well, because he's James Bond. Right. And so he walks in, he's got like pajamas on and wet hair and he's unshaven and he just looks a hot mess. And apparently this like, this is the yacht club and apparently uh -huh. his place, like this is a place he goes frequently because the manager there is like, oh, Mr. Bond, you're back. Let me get you to your room. And Bond's like, send up my tailor. Get me some shaving equipment. You oh, know, et cetera. Oh, oh, just, just another point. Again, maybe you can answer this question for me, Danielle, because I don't know the James Bond universe as well as you do. Why does he always use his actual name? I don't know. When I was watching the scene, there's a, a note in my thing that's like, why does he always use his real name? Why does okay. everybody know him as James Bond? <laughs> it just seems like not a great spy idea to say, oh, James Bond, your social security number. Here's my phone, phone number. Here's my tweet <laughs> cell number. You gotta text me. Oh, yeah, just give the day to everyone. Like, good spy work. Yeah, as all soon right. as he walked up and was like, Mr. Bond, I was like, seriously? <laughs> all, right, all right, okay. I thought there might be something like maybe James Bond was his cover name or there was something that I didn't know about. The, uh, I don't, it's not his worked. real name, but it is also. So like, I is don't it know not if, his real name? I don't think it's his real name, but I don't know why he would go I, by I that I think it's his everywhere. real name, Danielle. <laughs> I don't think his name is like, you know, 
Chadwick Cunningham, who goes by James Bond professionally. Well, we can Google it. I should know the answer to that. because Well, I've... no, we don't have to Google. We have the internet who can help us. That's true. People of the world. <laughs> People of Twitter. Tell us, does James Bond... I should Bond, know this because I... Is that his real name? Is, it, is that like his... Is that like Sting, his professional performance name, his stage name? <laughs> I, for the life of me, can't remember and should know, given how many I've watched. So anyway, he's back in his hotel room. I guess they can just bill his account. He gets his tailor set up. He shaves. This masseuse shows up, courtesy of the manager. Oh, gets busy super quickly as you might imagine but then that's just plot twist nope it doesn't happen he reveals that she had a gun under her dress the whole time and he like throws this heavy object at this glass door of this closet and the glass shatters and it reveals that the manager is inside with the camera crew trying to get this on film and it's the biggest closet in the entire world there is a manager and like a three camera person crew in this closet it's wild so why does she have a gun then I don't know I I don't know what the plan was Sam (laughs) the plan was to get him canoodling with some random a masseuse. I don't know what the thought process was, but Bond is like, you think I didn't know that you were Chinese intelligence to the manager? And then that's instantly forgotten. No, it's never brought up ever again that they were trying to film him, I guess, in some weird compromising position. But he strikes a deal with this manager that since Zhao apparently killed three of his men, how does he know that? I don't know. But Zhao killed three of his men and he says if the man can get him into North Korea, he'll take care of Zhao for them. Okay, sure. (laughs) Just another convenient plot twist. I have no idea how he knew Candid Cameron was happening. This is why you don't use your real name at every (laughs) yacht club in the world there, James, my boy. Because maybe he wouldn't have realized you were MI6 if it wasn't like, oh, yes, the famous MI6 spy that everyone knows is James Bond. They all know. Everybody knows. There's not a single person who meets James Bond who doesn't know he's MI6 within like three hours of meeting him. That seems to me to be the most disqualifying (laughs) aspect of a spy. Like, That'd be like, oh, everyone knows who you are. You are no longer a spy secret agent whatever. there's even a character later that he meets up with is like i don't want to work with him he just like he's gonna blow my cover he destroys everything he touches <laughs> it's pretty funny yeah okay good <laughs> <laughs> so they seem to agree on that when bond gets to the lobby he's all you know dressed and ready for action the manager gives him a box it has money and a passport in it and a trip to cuba like tickets to cuba where Zhao is apparently hiding out gotta enjoy those beaches yeah So, cutscene, Havana. We're in Havana. Yay! Yeah! And so he meets up with, I think he's a cigar maker. It's a little unclear. It doesn't really matter. But he's this guy that has some kind of inside track. He's clearly, like, very wealthy in the city of Havana, and he has informants, and and he can get information. So he's looking for Zhao, and this man calls him some favors to find out where he is, and he finds out that he's hiding on an island where there is, quote-unquote, a strange clinic run by Dr. Alvarez, where apparently people go, like rich people go, to do gene therapy, and it lengthens their lives. Uh, <laughs> it gets weirder, Sam. <laughs> is this going to turn like a Dr. Moreau thing? Um, sort of. Oh, we'll get, but not oh, as weird. Excited. I mean, it is weird, but it's not as weird as Dr. Moreau. <laughs> oh, 
It's weird in a completely different way. I'll take it. And so he borrows, <laughs> he borrows, probably never gives this back to the guy, a gun, a pair of binoculars, and a really sweet convertible. He goes to a hotel and he goes to the back where it has like the bar area and he's, he's hanging out and he's checking out what looks like a fort, but I think it's the medical clinic. And he's checking it out with his binoculars that he has. And then, of course, he sees the super hot girl coming out of the ocean and the binoculars Ugh. like pan over. And it is Halle Berry. Oh. She is the Bond girl. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So he like binoculars her. He's like watching her and she like steps from the ocean, of course, with her bikini and all the water stripping off. And she walks up to the bar and he's like, magnificent view. <laughs> oh, such a womanizer. Well, yeah, but it's not even smooth. It's just like curvy. <laughs> a little bit. It's like your old creepy uncle. Like, no, don't talk like that. <laughs> But it works for him because he always has a girl. And so apparently <sighs> she's named Jinx. And she was Jinx. Full, well, she has a full name, but I, I did not write it down, but nicknamed Jinx. <laughs> and it's like based on her full name. And she's born on Friday the 13th, hence her nickname. Aww. And he's like, oh, I'm here for the birds. And he holds up his binoculars. <laughs> Which again is a British pun. <laughs> it's so funny. And then he's like, oh, I'm an ornithologist. Like, because she's looking at him like, oh, okay. <laughs> So they flirt pretty heavily and then obviously very quickly decide to go have sexy times in the hotel. And I'd imagine at this point, he's probably pretty excited because it's been over 14 months since he got to and have it's some sexy times. freaking Barry. <laughs> And so she is gone the next morning and he goes to the window very purposefully like, I know she's out there. And of course she is out there. She's standing on the dock and he watches her with the binoculars and she's like trading paperwork with the, with the dock guys. And he's like, oh, yeah, there she is. Exactly where I thought she would be. <laughs> she doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so then the next scene is he has a wheelchair and he's like pushing it up a hallway and he shows up to this guy's room. And this guy was at the bar. He was being this like complete racist jerk and the guy opens the door he's like i don't need a wheelchair and bond punches him in the face and like knocks him out and he's like oh you do now (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea why he's doing any of this you'll find out in a minute so he searches the room and there's this great scene where there's this woman who's like laying on the bed she's just watching it and she's like totally blase about the whole thing she's clearly like the partner of the guy or at least was for the night and she's just like hey he's like hey nice to meet you he's like searching his room (laughs) It's really funny. So he finds this information about the Alvarez Clinic in the guy's room. So for Uh, whatever reason, he thought he was connected to it. I don't know. Maybe he did some research before he showed up. All old racist people are evil. And so the next scene is he's got the guy in the wheelchair. The guy's still passed out. Apparently, this was an amazing punch. That guy is brain damaged. He's like at least concussion. Wild how long this guy is like passed out of this wheelchair. And so he's pushing the wheelchair into the clinic. So. He made it to the clinic. Obviously, the guy was a patient or something. And the guy's still passed out. And then in what is by far for me the best scene in the whole movie, he needs to create a diversion. So he just Uh-oh. pushes the guy in the wheelchair like into a wall and it like topples some stuff down. And all the like medical people are like, oh, no, a guy in a wheelchair. And they're like running <laughs> forward. You never see this guy again. Bond just like dashes off. <laughs> So Bond knocks out an elderly gentleman, puts him in a wheelchair, shoves him into a wall, and runs off. He's not elderly. Oh, he's young? Yeah, he's just like a 30, 40-year-old jerk oh, face that so was in the bar. So he puts out a, a, a young gentleman <laughs> and puts him in a wheelchair, pushes the wheelchair into a wall, then runs off. Yeah, it's like basically the whole premise. Like, oh, you're never master seeing this guy again. 
Genius of plans. <laughs> it's so funny. And so Bond like sneaks off, finds this empty hallway, and seems to know for no reason that there is a secret passageway in this like what? clinic. I don't know, Sam. <laughs> like when I was watching this whole scene, I'm like, how does he know any of this? Like he just goes up to this mural that's on the wall. And he like pushes what looks like to be the obvious spot on the mural to push, and like the door opens and he walks into the secret well, clinic. <laughs> You want to know how he knew Danielle? Because he ate his Bondios that morning. And <laughs> when you need to do your secret sleuthing, eat Bondios. Maybe the breakfast. They give you of X-ray spies. vision. <laughs> yeah. They'll give you X-ray vision. They'll give you sonar. Whatever you need to do to save Queen and Country. Yeah. It's wild. So now he's in the secret facility inside of the other clinic. And the secret facility is. Like, he walks in. It's like a mirror room in there. There's just, like, shiny mirrors everywhere. There's DNA, like, metal art strands hanging from the ceiling. It's clearly the gene therapy place. That okay, because that, I mean, you got to decorate with the double helix everywhere if yeah. you got to do it. It just makes sense. You want to show how classy you are. Yes. And so the scene changes, and we see Jinx. And she is talking to a doctor at the gene therapy lab. And she's talking about the gene therapy. She's, like, a patient. And he's explaining the stages to her. He's explaining the stages to us as the audience. Right, of course. So apparently the stages of this gene therapy. There are two stages. Phase one is you wipe out the bone marrow of the person that's there, wiping the DNA slate clean. What? Yeah. (laughs) Phase two is you introduce new DNA from donors, quote unquote, which are people who won't be missed, and it turns you into a different person. What? I don't know. (laughs) So they basically do a bone marrow transplant, but like an entire bone marrow replacement. And it somehow makes you a completely different human being. Like you look different after the fact. So like like if you take it from, you know, me and put it into you, you would turn into me basically. Yes. What? I don't know. (laughs) That's not how any of that works. I don't like they never mention like the idea that you'd have to have some kind of like surgery to make your face look different or anything. Like they don't mention anything. It's just literally seems to insinuate that if you got all of your bone marrow wiped out and new DNA introduced, you would like physically turn into a different person. Do they think that bone marrow is a source of DNA? I don't know. They don't explain anything else about this concept. I know this was 2002, 2001, something like that. But like we knew what DNA was at that point, right? We knew what bone marrow was. This wasn't like, this was like the 1600, like, oh, the four humors. You know, you got to place the black bile and the yellow bile and suddenly you become a new person. It took me another like 30 minutes of this movie to be like, is that really what they thought was happening? How does that work? (laughs) Okay. I thought maybe they'd explain it more later. They did not. (laughs) I'm sure this will come into play significantly later. (laughs) He's like, oh, I'm an artist. I create entire new beings, basically, like I'm God. And So is Halle Berry, like, actually some really attractive young person was put into this older woman and made Halle Berry? No, you'll see it in a minute. Well, not okay. in a minute, but you'll get there. So okay. she pays, like she pulls a check off and she hands it to him. And then so he's like, I'm an artist. And she's like, of course, most artists aren't appreciated until they're dead. And then she pulls out a gun and like, shoots him dead <laughs> so she gives him a check which is probably the worst way to pay for an illicit procedure probably a certified check or something it's not like she i don't see her writing it out <laughs> and then she shoots him yes and then she has like but why he give has, him the check at all i don't because it looked it looked like she was gonna i don't know sam she could just walk <laughs> in and shoot him but it was for our benefit as an audience so we knew what right. the heck was going on at the gene therapy i'm sure she didn't care and so <laughs> <laughs> okay he has like her paperwork in his hand so she tries to like burn her documents so that they're not there and then she goes straight to his computer and she's like typing into it trying to look something up and she 
you see a picture of Zhao on the computer, and he has completed phase one of the gene therapy, and then there's a picture of some other random, like, white male next to him, and the white male next to him is, like, who he's transitioning into, essentially. Ooh, the ultimate sleeper agent. <laughs> Crazy. So Bond is sneaking through the offices, and he's clearly trying to find somebody in the offices. He doesn't know that Jinx is there. And he comes across Zhao, who's now bald. He has no hair. He's, like, under this mask thing. Still hot? Yeah. Not as hot as he was with hair. And he's really, (laughs) like, super pale now. You just see the, like, diamond draw. Like, I don't even know. How would the diamond stuff work, Sam? If, like, the DNA got switched, he'd still have diamonds in his face. I mean, the DNA is not going to, (laughs) like... reprogram his skin to push the diamonds out. It's wild. Anyway, and so he's assumedly in the midst of this transformation, and Bond gets his attention by, like, squeezing his medication IV saline bags, whatever's in them. He, like, squeezes them, and Zhao's like, oh, that hurts. And I have no idea if that would hurt or not. Uh, Aren't, like, aren't those bags, like, doesn't he have, like, a a drip controller? Like, he gets, like, squeeze them. Like, I just don't quite understand. I don't know if it would actually hurt your arm. I I was like, would that hurt i mean if it was like uh, let's assume for a moment there was no regulator on the iv controlling how much was pumped into you sure right then maybe you'd be have like a faster pressure like if it's squeezing, the- i imagine it'd be like a balloon being inflated under your skin it would hurt quite a bit sure but you don't see any of that and i'm assuming the super high-tech office has regulators on their drips <laughs> Look, it's James Bond, Danielle. We're going to write about this. We're going to be here all day, right? I was, just, to me. I was watching. I was like, huh, I wonder if that would hurt. Well, we can find out. Get me an IV. I'll, I'll check that out next time I get one. He wants Great. He wants to know who is bankrolling him and setting him up. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you that. And so, duh. <laughs> duh. And they get into this big, you know, fist fight and they're throwing all the stuff around that's in the little clinic room. Zhao, the patient who is going through some intensive surgery, is going toe to toe with James Bond's yeah, super agent. And he does pretty well. Wow. And during the fight, Bond grabs a necklace off of Zhao and Zhao escapes outside. And Jinx, meanwhile, is in the other office. She's put some C4 in a drawer that she happens to have. Everyone's got C4. I know, it's wild. Everywhere. And she walks out and meets Bond in the hallway who's chasing after Zhao. The C4 like immediately goes off and it blocks Bond from catching up to Zhao. It like blocks the entryway. And as he like falls down on the ground, you know, he's blown back. He looks and he sees the half-burned paperwork that Jinx left behind. I'm like, why didn't Jinx burn all of her paperwork? (laughs) Right, like... (laughs) I I don't think she's unlucky. I think she's incompetent. (laughs) It's, It's crazy. So... Jinx runs outside. She's like, oh, that's Zhao. And apparently she knows him and is trying to kill Zhao outside when somehow there's like a helicopter outside that's waiting for Zhao. Or there's that always he could, a I don't know why he's clearly in the middle of like his process. Like, was it just hanging out? Yeah, he's like, oh, we're about halfway through a kidney transplant. Go get the helicopter. <laughs> Bye. It's insane. And so he jumps into the helicopter. The helicopter jettisons off. Bond's like rushing, trying to catch up. And he meets Jinx on the walk way and some military soldiers come up and they're like stop you know because obviously they just blew up an entire clinic and jinx is like i don't think so and they're up on top of like this fortress area like there's a cliff behind her and she dives off the cliff into the very very far water below where there is very conveniently a boat waiting for her everyone's just got like I can't even get picked up at the airport. How can they get all these people to wake them with boats and helicopters? I don't know, but I like the idea that Jinx was like, well, in case I need to dive off the cliffside, 
I'll have a boat down there waiting I mean, for did you, me. Did you have a boat on like every cliff? Like you be on that beach, you be on that beach. And just in case you come to one of those beaches, you just got to be waiting for me. <laughs> she could like, nobody knew that she wasn't a patient. She could have just walked out the front door and detonated the bomb. But no, she decided backup plan just in case. <laughs> See, and this is what James Bond could have used while he was in Korea with the one helicopter. Yep, the just in case plan, but he didn't have yeah. one. No, because Jinx, clearly the better spy. <laughs> Well, other than not burning her documents. Well, you know, look, at least she doesn't use her real name. We assume. I mean, who knows what her real name is? <laughs> well, it's not Jinx, Danielle. <laughs> no, but she gave us her full name earlier, remember? Oh, no, I didn't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so Bond checks the necklace. You know, Zhao's gone. There's it's like a little vial and he opens the vial up and it's filled with the little diamonds that are just very similar to the conflict diamonds he's had so earlier. He's had this for funsies around his neck. Yeah, cool. I guess so. So he heads back into Havana to the cigar dude and they inspect the diamonds, which have a laser cut insignia inside of them that signal that they're from the Graves Corporation in Iceland. Sure. And so <laughs> he's like, this is amazing. These look exactly like the conflict diamonds. This is very suspicious. So meanwhile... Back at the MI6 ranch. <laughs> the M- ranch. Yeah. M is being chastised by an American official who tells her that Bond is torching a clinic in Cuba since they let him escape. And MI6 seems very surprised. Like, he's in Cuba? He's torched a clinic? I don't understand how America knows this. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I don't think MI6 would stand for being dressed down by a foreign intelligence power. Like, they'd be like, no, that's diplomatically not how this works. <laughs> And how did but, they not know where Bond but is, but America's like, there so he is. They are so incompetent in this instance that I'm kind of on the side of whatever three-letter intelligence agency is like, you guys, you guys are just the worst. They you deserve to be yelled at. I'm sorry. I was on your <laughs> side, but no. Yeah. It's an, it's an insane scene because she's just like, and she doesn't really put up with him dressing her down, but at the same time, they seem shocked, just shocked that he's in Havana burning clinics down. Like, what is he up to? And why is he there? <laughs> it's like, how do they have a person not, like that's clearly following James Bond, but MI6 does not. Oh, man. So Bond, meanwhile, is in first class on a plane heading back to England, and he has like a magazine in his hands that he opens it up, and it's Gustav Graves, who is the owner of the Diamond Mind. He's in the magazine, just a feature. He's a feature. He's like a famous dude. How convenient. Well, they show you this because the next scene is the introduction of Gustav Graves, who is sailing down on a British... third bad guy. He's sailing down on a British flag parachute and there are like reporters waiting below and he lands amongst the reporters and he's like, I am here. <laughs> and you know what? He's my favorite bad guy so far. He's great. <laughs> he's played by Toby Stevens and I don't know why Ooh. he arrives that way. He's just for funsies, I guess. he's got style, Danielle. <laughs> And they're all like, Mr. Graves, tell us about the Icarus space program. And he's like, oh, it's a surprise. You'll find out about it tomorrow. Oh, right. There's a whole space weapon. I I (laughs) completely... Well, it doesn't seem like there were scorpions in the opening. Those don't seem to come back at all. Maybe it was just such a red herring. Oh, no. This is where it starts to get insane. (laughs) You're going to like it, Sam. (laughs) Oh, now it gets insane. Everything after this is perfect sense. (laughs) Now it's going off the rails. No, it really does. (laughs) So... 
He is met by his publicist, who is named Miranda Frost. She's played by Rosamund Pike. And Bond is in the crowd secretly watching him arrive. And then the next scene is Bond is meeting up with all these, like, fencing people. Oh, they're not making fences. Got it. No. They're they're actually fencing. Sword fencing. Miranda's there. She's apparently a medalist in fencing, and she's teaching, working with graves on it as well. It's kind of their hobby. Bond gets an introduction to Miranda and Mr. Graves. And Graves is like, hey, do you want to... Do you want a fence? Thousand a point? Because he's a big gambler. And sure. he's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. And so Bond actually loses the first two points. And Graves is like, do you want to give up? And he's like, actually, why don't we up the game? And he pulls out one of Graves' diamonds that he had gotten from the necklace. And they continue to fight. He's like, yeah, let's let's do this. Which I think is a weird way to be like, hey, I have one of your diamonds and I'm kind of suspicious of you. Also, like, if you just held up a random diamond, be like, we're, what, I don't know what that means. What is that? Just well, he takes it from him and he like looks at it. He's like, oh, this is flawless. Like He clearly knows it's one of his. Okay. And so they, I, they continue sure. to fight. Bond stabs him in the wrist, like actually like makes skin contact. And Graves is livid. And he like strips his clothes off. He's just down to his like undershirt. And he's okay. like, let's continue this game without vests and real swords. And they're like, <laughs> they're like real fighting. And Bond's like, no. sure. And so he like what? takes off. I don't know, Sam. And I mean, I'm, I'm down for two half-naked dudes, you know, fencing, you know, crossing swords if you get my drift, but wow, I did not expect that from a James Bond movie. Yeah, there's this great scene, too, where the fencing instructor, uh, Graves, is like, do you want to put some money on this? I think her name's Verity. She's played by Madonna. It's a cameo. Aww. So they end up having this fight with real swords and no vests, and it's just, it's such a dramatic way to be like, I have diamonds, and I'm very suspicious of these diamonds, Mr. Graves. You can just ask him a question, or I don't know, go to the spy, you can see you work with and give them the evidence or for, like get in on a different way like not be so obvious that you know that there's something wrong with the diamonds this is why everyone knows james bond's a spy because he does absolutely nothing to hide the fact i know so it's whoever draws first blood on the chest bond of course wins and miranda like steps in between them it's like this is enough like because they're clearly still gonna go after each other after he draws first blood and graves backs up and he's like pretending not to be a sore loser <laughs> Like, oh, very good job, Mr. Bond. And he pays up and he invites him to go see the Icarus launch thing, whatever it is, in Iceland. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not suspicious. <laughs> He's like, come. And we'll, like, do more fun stuff. We can bet on more things. It'll be great. Come to Iceland. So Bond is in the lobby and they're, like, remodeling everything because they meant during their fight, they, like, went, they didn't just stay in the, the room where the swords were. They, were, like, all over the hotel. So they, like, yeah, slashed walls and all this crazy stuff. So this man delivers Bond this big old ancient key and it's in an envelope one of those big iron rock keys and he seems to know where to go because he meets up with m in an abandoned station well the key was obviously a signal of some sort well yeah and so i guess it's where they have a history of like abandoning their agents in the station it's probably where they kill them or something oh so he just went there to get shot what <laughs> well, a good dude he thought maybe it was not gonna go well you could tell but it goes fine plot twist james bond does not die oh well i thought he was <laughs> been shot by m and then she's like okay we'll kick in Double eight, you're up. <laughs> so she wants to know what he has on Graves. Like, okay, clearly, like, we found you. Americans tipped us off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah tipped us off because we're incompetent. And he is a little bitter about being dismissed as an agent. Like, now you want information from me? Like, I don't think so. But of course he tells him. But, okay. M refuses to apologize. She's like, whatever. Like, you deserve no, to be No, she shouldn't apologize. <laughs> he is a liability. 
and gives him the biography of Graves, which is, he already knows the biography of Graves. This is clearly for the audience. But basically, he was an orphan working in a diamond mine. What? I don't know, Sam. I actually put like four question marks after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, put the orphans to work in the diamond mine. <laughs> My face when Iceland. she said that was like, Huh? <laughs> I want to watch that version of Oliver, where they're like singing about like working in the diamond mines, and then the uh, you know the you know, Fagin comes around, and he's like, oh, I guess I don't need a pickpocket; I can just steal these diamonds. Yeah, classic Iceland, making orphans work in diamond mines. <laughs> what the heck? So he gets an engineering degree as he gets older. Discovers a huge find, like in a huge diamond mine. Yes, engineering is something you can learn while diamond mining. Yes, I don't know how this all works. And he gives half of the find to charity, so he's well. Well liked, well beloved, and okay. Wow, <laughs> it gets weirder, Sam. <laughs> so he tells M that he thinks Graves' mind is actually a front for laundering African conflict diamonds. So the, the mine self produces bupkis. He just buys African conflict diamonds and claims they come from his mind. Absolutely, got it. So she allows Bond to continue. She's basically like, "This guy has a ton of political connections. We can't really touch him." And he's like, "Well, that's convenient because I'm not an agent right now, so I'll do your dirty work uh-huh, for you." <laughs> one of those. Okay, sure. So now next, which is always the best scene in any Bond movie, is the obligatory scene with Q. I was going to say, is Q in this? <laughs> and it is, and it's played by John Cleese. Oh, that's right. I remember he played Q. Like, I love John Cleese. Yeah. And he goes through, there's a bunch of like prop references to, to previous movies, which is kind of fun. And he gives Bond the following things, <laughs> so you know for future reference. Okay, I want the list. <laughs> he gives him a ring that breaks glass with high-frequency sound waves. How many of these are actually used again? Uh, all of them, I think. Most of them are usually used. Like, whatever he gives him is often used in the movie. The one of the few bomb movies I have seen is Goldeneye, because I'm that age. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I do remember he got, like, a car with all these fancy gadgets in it, and he didn't use them. It's just like, oh, why did they tell him about all these gadgets? Like, missiles behind the headlights oh. or something that never get used. Well, he is, gets is a like, car in this, and he does use it. So that'll make up for yeah, Bond and I. great. Okay. So he gets the ring that breaks glass. He gets a new watch, which has lots of fancy features, because he it's like an ongoing joke that he never brings the watches back like he's supposed to. They always end up <laughs> breaking or getting destroyed. Yeah, what do you expect? I know. And then he gets the magic car. And this magic car has adaptive camouflage, so it goes in invisible. Ooh. You know, and it has like a bazillion guns and weird tire well, things and just amazing things that they use later on. So it switches to a scene with M who is talking to Miranda. Miranda Frost was the publicist of Graves. Right, right, right. And the fr- publicist slash fencing yes, instructor. Yes, but apparently she's actually an agent. She's undercover. So she's like a much better tool to use than James Bond. You would think so, except the issue is she's been shadowing Graves for several months and has not found out any real information. And she's wow. she's like, he must be clean. Like, like, clearly there's just no information to find. So everyone working there is incompetent. Well, and M is like, well, Bond thinks that he's not. So we're putting Bond in there and you stay where you are too. So like we're sending him to Iceland. And so M's like, you're not going to be swayed by Bond's womanizing, are you? And she's like, absolutely not. He's a dingbat who always gets in trouble and he's going to blow my cover. And that she's the one that's like, I uh-huh. never want to work with this man. <laughs> Why are you putting him in Iceland? <laughs> she's smart. 
So it switches to Iceland. We've gone apparently to Cuba, to England, Iceland. So that's a nice vacation. I know. Bond steps out of his car and it's in front of this giant like ice hotel, like one of those hotels made out of ice. Ooh. And he steps out of his car and he watches Graves arrive and he arrives in like this ice jet, like one that travels across the the ice. Oh, so it's not a jet made of ice. No. Sorry. So you have the ice hotel, which is made it. of ice. <laughs> and then you have like a a jet that ice skates. Yeah, it looks like a bobsled, but it goes like the records right now is 324 miles per hour across the ice. Okay, so it's a rocket bobsled. Kind of, yeah. Got so it. He like slides in. He's all like, oh, new record, 324 miles per hour. And cool. I guess this ice hotel was built specifically for this demonstration. It's next door to where Gustav lives and also next door to the diamond mine. So he just has his own little like enclave of stuff. A diamond mine that isn't actually a diamond mine. Well, that seems like something you want to keep people away from. <laughs> You'd think so, but apparently he doesn't care and so <laughs> if it, maybe it's a diamond mine maybe graves is not evil sam you don't know uh there's a space laser i'm waiting for danielle <laughs> which is any minute so <laughs> um, uh, this movie's almost gotta be almost done and there's no space laser i'm very disappointed it's getting there it's, it's close and so all the newspaper people reporters everybody's there to cover this and they're all staying at the hotel miranda shows him to his room james bond he shows up clear she's clearly annoyed that he's there jinx arrives which you know, sure why not and they, why not? they end up meeting in the bar bond and her and he's, he's like oh you're here and she's like yep and she pretends to be a reporter for like science and technology magazine or something how does she know all this stuff you'll get there okay so flashes to graves graves is it i wish i could visually show you this i should have found a picture or something because this mask is wild he has this mask over his face it's like sort of like opaquely translucent it has tons of like fiber optic cables streaming from it that are all different colors kind of looks uh, like the predator but like with imagine it in like neon colors got it neon predator dread mask it's, it's amazing and he's wearing it over his face and this man in a hooded coat comes up. It's like a rejuvenating mask kind thing, of. making me younger. There's like multiple references in the movie to how he doesn't sleep. And I guess this is like a, it helps him like have an hour to himself, basically. Yeah, I mean, there are easier ways to get an hour to yourself, buddy. <laughs> but I don't it helps to like you. rejuvenate. Yes, it has an actual purpose. Oh, so okay. anyway, this like, man in a hood comes is, up. I put this on when I'm like, when my social battery's dead, <laughs> I put on my Predator Dread neon fiber optic mask just to get some space from people so people will talk to me. <laughs> no. I tell people on headphones. Some people just like go to their room. I like the, the neon predator fiber optic mask because it really just sends a message. Like it gives him a deep like state so that he's I got reset. that. I just want to imagine he's just like, <laughs> this is how I get like out of social situations. Like, oh, I wish I could stay and talk about your kids or watch that slideshow, but uh, oh, got to put on the predator neon fiber optic mask. Yeah. Sorry. It comes back a couple of times and I love this mask. It's like <laughs> the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You got to share a picture of that with people. <laughs> well, so... This man in a hood comes up, lifts up the mask, and then pulls the hood back on his coat, and he reveals himself to be Zhao. Yeah, shocker. Yeah, so he hugs it out with Graves. Apparently, like, he really knows Graves. Aw, they're budsies. Yeah, I know. He's like, are you still having effects from the therapy? And so, apparently, Graves had the gene therapy, and he used to look completely different. Oh. I know. Sure, and no one noticed this? Uh, well, we'll get there, because I, com- I have thoughts, Sam. <laughs> oh, boy. So you'll find out in a minute why nobody noticed this. 
Graves, he's like, yeah, I am. I use my magic mask. And Graves tells him Bond didn't recognize him at all. He's like, I was like eye to eye with him and Bond didn't even know Is this me. General Moon? We'll get there. So, <laughs> so it's not General Moon. Oh, no, it's, it's a little baby <laughs> Colonel Moon. <laughs> yep. So Zal's oh. like, General Moon's still mourning your death. And uh, I guess he is. <laughs> it's been 14 months. And apparently his entire cover story, he's gone through gene therapy. He's turned into a different person. He built a backstory. He became famous. He built an empire. He got an engineering degree, or maybe he already had it. He did so, go to so Harvard. So you're saying that Grave didn't exist 14 months, months ago. ago. And he created an entire empire and had gene therapy in 14 months, Sam. That's... Mm, there's shenanigans afoot. <laughs> and I'm assuming maybe the mind situation was figured out prior to that because he was trading. I mean, the, the, but like he was in North Korea. The mind wouldn't work if it was in Iceland. And I don't understand why he was trading the diamonds for weapons. If did he had the diamonds, if he was he laundering the diamonds. Yeah, did he take over the mine late? Like he just used the mine as a cover up so he could continue getting diamonds? I. It makes no oh. sense. <laughs> the timeline is insane. This is like a 10-year plan, not like a, a, a six-month, oh, I, I guess I pretend to die. Gotta make a whole new life. Yeah. Let's make myself a diamond mogul. And like 14 months. So he apparently just appeared out of nowhere. They're like, oh, that orphan in the diamond mines. You're like, he appeared as a grown adult with an engineering degree who just like found a diamond mine. <laughs> did did Colonel Moon have an engineering degree? I don't know. I'm assuming he must have or something, some kind of engineering background because he, he went to Oxford and Harvard. Oh, that's right. I and forgot so about he, that. Like, and you can get an engineering degree, I assume, in Korea or North Korea, South Korea. I'm sure you get them anywhere. It's like usually, I mean, again, I don't really know how military hierarchy works, but I, I don't think that the generals and colonels usually have like, I mean, there are like the Army Corps of Engineers and sure. people who have. And they established nothing in the beginning of this movie as to his background in terms of okay. his abilities, knowledge. He's just like a colonel. You're like, okay, military dude. And oh, turns out he actually has like superpowers and has Also, why does engineering degree even matter? Because um, he engineers space stuff. <laughs> Oh, right, of course. And you can't <laughs> hire people to do that. Uh, no. Apparently he's in charge. He, he designed this whole thing. He's a freaking brilliant person, apparently. Not that we knew that prior to this moment. Well, if it, to pull this all off in 14 months, he'd have to be pretty dang smart. So that happened, and then we're no, back uh, to, uh, the, to the bar. <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to say that's a big old no for me. <laughs> I reject the premise of that movie right there. But we're going to go over it anyway because we got to finish this up. Yeah. I totally, when I heard that, was like, okay, that's a crazy backstory, but whatever. Then I was like, wait a minute. It was 14 <laughs> months ago. <laughs> My like, brain that's crazy, exploded. But it's just like, it goes from crazy to ludicrous <laughs> based on the timeline. So... Jinx and Miranda meet up in the bar. Bond's there. They said she introduces herself as a reporter from Space and Technology Magazine. And there's this great line. Miranda's like, she looks at Bond. She's like, oh, is he explaining the Big Bang Theory to you? Uh, <laughs> that was what? Funny. Because they had sex, Sam. I got that, Daniel, but also that's not – never mind. It's funny. So Graves gives his giant speech, his like revealing of the Icarus Project speech. And that was kind of where I realized the 14 months thing had happened. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> okay, okay. First off, naming your project I know. Icarus is asking for trouble. <laughs> 
was hysterical. I was like, that was a really obvious dig, and that was funny. <laughs> and so he's doing a speech. He has his little kit with his you know on-off button for his device. He pushes the button, and the scene goes to space where he sees this like giant dish opening up. You know, he's sure. installed this thing in space. Space satellite <laughs> exactly. magic dish. Got it. And this light starts to shine down on the audience below. And apparently this device can, quote unquote, inhale the sun's light and breathe it upon the surface of the earth. So it's a mirror. Essentially, it's like a giant mirror. Okay. Uh, and we care because... <laughs> apparently it can bring light to places that never had it before, but wait for it. This is used later. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm guessing he's going to use it as a weapon to, like, start fires or, or immolate people. But, like, what part of the planet doesn't have light? I mean, besides, like, underground or something, in which case this thing isn't going to work I anyway. I don't know. I don't know what his master plan was for this. I also had the exact same thoughts. as like, where would you use this? I guess you could direct it at areas where crops. I don't know. Like, I don't know where you would use it. But, that need uh, more sun? Uh, okay, I don't know, cool. Sam. <laughs> I didn't build I this guy as a supposed super genius master of disguise 14 months to create a whole new life for himself really didn't think through the whole giant space mirror thing very well like this is, this is the guy's like I did it because I could oh, I mean it's like it's like oh, I'll just build a satellite it's in space it must be a good business idea I think he was just like oh isn't it cool I can create sunlight but he's really just going to use it as a weapon of mass destruction so his plan was to sell okay. it to the military or use it all along so why even have this demonstration this cover to sell the military on the DL I don't know Sam, I don't know. <laughs> I cannot answer any of these questions. I also do not understand the point of this. Audience, listeners, if you know... Are you a supervillain who has a giant space laser to sell to people? Can you explain to us why you might want to have a public demonstration? Like, what would you use this light thing for? I'm sure there are many useful purposes that are not destruction. Sure, you could really, like, have a heck of a party. Like, oh, my backyard's kind of dark. Let's get the space laser to just reflect some light into it. Anyway, everybody's impressed. Everybody claps. Bond sees them, like, storing the box that's, you know, put on-off button box, and they're, like, taking it into yeah, uh, the Gustav. remote control. That's how all these things yeah, work. <laughs> they're, they're, they're taking in the box into Gustav's place where he lives, and he, like, follows secretly behind them. And he gets into his invisible car, and he follows behind them to where Gustav lives, parks the car kind of, like, outside of the, the stronghold. And inside, not that Bond knows this, he's trying to figure out how to get in. Inside, Gustav is asking a man about the defense mechanisms for the device. He's building like a suit that he can wear that controls it instead of the box. So he wants like a one-to-one -one suit that mimics his movements to control the device? Give or take. And that may wait. <laughs> wait, 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 didn't know. No. <laughs> How is that any better than like a computer control or a joystick? Why does he need a suit? I I think because he wants to have it on his body, so he has ultimate control over it, and he has like a defense mechanism where he can like because the guy's like, yes, I built this defense mechanism into the device that controls it. It's this glove, and it has a hundred thousand volts of electricity that it can like zap out onto people. So he just built like a taser glove. Yeah, but it also has like the device panel for turning on and off the evil space light. Why do those have to be combined? I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know, Sam. Have you had your taser glove? He wants to be like wearing the on-off button. Okay, but like, all right, whatever. Let's and it's go. like a VR thing. There's like a, uh, I don't know, it's VR. You never actually see what he sees, but he has like glasses later on that he like puts on. So he clearly is like seeing what's happening. Uh, uh, I'm just, I don't know, I Sam. I did so, not. <laughs> no, this is not your fault. This is this movie. I've reached my point where I am so saturated with nonsense that I simply am not able to take in anymore. <laughs> 
That's a shame because the last like 20 minutes of the doobie are wild. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Let me try to see what I can do to ring to, like a wet towel. I'm going to wring out some of the nonsense from my brain and see if I can make some more room for more for, for my dessert of nonsense. Okay. So Bond outside the door trying to get in, but he is caught. Like somebody sees him. He escapes. He like punches in the face, escapes. The alarm goes off. They know there's an intruder on the property. He's, so stealthy. <laughs> but he's immediately like Miranda catches him, like grabs him by the arm and pulls him against the car and does like a fake not fake kiss <laughs> oh fake out make out and it's just like trying to get him out of the situation and the guards you know ignoring them because they're making out and that she- never worked you know <laughs> So they go back to the hotel room together and Bond or whatever is like, let's keep up appearances. And so they continue to make out and they get naked and have sexy times on the bed. That's uh, Miranda. I thought better of you. <laughs> I know. She's like, I don't want to sleep with you for real. But then they have sex. So that doesn't work out. Obviously the line, let's keep up appearances. I'm not actually attracted to you. I'm just doing this for my job. Worked. <laughs> yeah. And it was like very instantaneously too. There was like no turnaround. Wow. So Jinx, meanwhile, is sneaking into Graves' house. And she finds the magic mask and there's a guy under it. And she goes to lift it up, but it's not Graves, it's Zhao. He's using it. Ooh, that's a violation of privacy and trust. (laughs) Oh, I think Zhao was allowed to use it. And they hugged earlier, remember? I guess. But that's like using your friend's toothbrush. I I wouldn't do that. (laughs) It's a mask, not a toothbrush. I don't know, maybe. (laughs) So Zhao's inside. She's like, oh, it's Zhao. And she goes to like try and kill him. And a glove grips her from the back, like around her neck and zaps her. Oh no, Catwoman. Next scene, she's caught. She's strapped to a table and she's being tortured for information on why she's after Zhao. And this is where he mentions, he's like, well, the mine may be fake. Like my, my fake mine is next door. But these lasers in this room are real. <laughs> I, you know what? He's got style. And it's a laser room, Sam. There's just like lasers all over this room. I don't know what they were using Wait, it Danielle, for. Danielle, are you telling me you don't have a laser room? I don't. Do you? Of course I do. <laughs> Who doesn't have a laser room, Danielle? I'll get on that. Maybe my closet. You gotta, you gotta fix that, Danielle. Every, everyone needs a laser room. <laughs> God, get a little of this person out of a laser room. <laughs> All right, well, she's stuck in the laser room, (laughs) everybody's laser room, and the bad guy, there's like Graves, and then there's like a bonus bad guy, just some random underling, and he's like, are we going to use the lasers? Can I do it? Like, he's very excited. (laughs) This is like the guy in Crowded Kitchen, like, yeah, put him in a body bag. (laughs) It's great. And Graves is like, yeah, whatever, just kill her. And so he's like, I get to use the lasers, and he has like a box that he's pushing the on-off buttons for where you can direct the lasers. I like him. I know, it's great. He's a man who loves his job finds joy in the little things (laughs) he's a pretty funny non-character so bond meanwhile apparently done with his sex and he's outside again oh yeah the world needs saving (laughs) and he dives below the surface of an iced over lake and swims underneath the ice and somehow arrives in the pool of the greenhouse which is like one of the layers of graves's house there's sure i'll just go with it there's a hot spring in there and i guess he knew if he dived beneath the lake and swam in there he'd somehow come out in a hot spring which seems insane yeah he just had a mat he knows all this stuff daniel it's (laughs) obvious everyone knows this so he interrupts jinx's laser surgery he's like right before she dies of course he walks into the room during the fight scene with the bonus bad guy he finally turns them off as Jinx manages to grab the laser on-off box, and she directs one of the lasers to the bad guy, and it, like, shoots through his mouth. He, like, dies immediately. Oh well, at least he died doing what he loved, lasering. Lasering. <laughs> 
So she tells Bond she's NSA. So like, set me free. I am NSA. I'm not like some crazy person here. All right. Well, then they're both terrible spies. I'm sorry. (laughs) So she tells him she's after Zhao and he has like this super weird mask. And Bond was like, he didn't bring it from Cuba. So it must have been already here. Dun, dun, dun. He realized Graves is up to something. Yeah. What? Duh. (laughs) A. Also, B. What is the thing already being... How is that some smoking gun? I I think he knew he was suspicious, but he didn't realize that he necessarily had had the gene therapy. Okay, sure. So Bond sends Jinx off to go get Miranda for help. And he decides, he's like, I have stuff to finish here. So he goes after Oh, that's not classy. Sending your ex to get your current... But that's what happens. So he's like sitting in a boardroom or something and Graves walks in. I don't know. And he's the the line of the movie. He's like, so you live to die another day, Colonel. Uh, okay. (laughs) Good times. So Bond has him at gunpoint. Graves is monologuing a bit, of course. Of course. And Miranda shows up and she's like pointing the gun at Graves as his backup. And he's like, hey, Bond, did you ever discover who that person was that betrayed you? And Bond's like, oh, it's just a matter of time. Like, I'll figure it out any moment. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really matter. Is it Miranda? It's Miranda. She slides her gun from Graves over to Bond and the camera zooms in on his surprise face. (laughs) Bond's like, The only what? one in that room who's surprised. <laughs> one of the women I slept with was actually evil. This never happens. Except it happens every movie, I'm guessing. Yeah, all the time. Okay. <laughs> Again, haven't seen a lot of James Bond movies, but I do know James Bond movies. He's, he even sleeps with them knowing they're evil or that they're like up to something. He's like, that's cool. Why is I'll he sleep still employed? <laughs> How is he like this pinnacle of spider if he's like the most incompetent secret agent ever? Well, he uses them to like... He'll get information from them or he'll like trap them or like whatever. Like he has sex with them and then he's like, aha, I got you exactly where I want you. Okay. I'm dubious. So he's surprised. He tries to shoot her with the gun that he has on Graves when he turns to her. But his sexy times allowed her to take out the ammo from his gun. So... Oh yeah, she good wins. job, James. God, you did a great, great, great job as a secret agent. Didn't even check your gun was loaded before going into work. I know, work. it's great. I'm like, what are you, what? And then Zhao, who's like standing off to the side and he like comes over and punches him and he's like, how's that for a punchline? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Zhao, you won my heart. It's great. So the ground is glass and he uses his magic sonic ring to like smash the glass and it oh. breaks open the the ground and he like falls through to the jungle room below and earlier when jinx was in there she like zip lined down and i guess it's still there or something because he just like runs over to it he seems to know exactly where it is for no reason whatsoever and jinx told him i guess <laughs> yeah, like over in that right hand corner of the jungle room behind the like three palm trees in consecutive order i left it there <laughs> Duh, yeah, tell everybody. And so he like connects himself to it and zooms back up the ceiling. And he sees Graves' conveniently placed ice jet thing, which is sitting outside. And he zooms off across the ice. Yay! Because yeah, again, you can't have devices and cars lying around that James Mott is not going to get into. So he zooms off into the sunset, the end. Yes, that's the end of the movie. Jinx and Miranda and Graves just to figure it out on their own. Honestly, I think Jinx has got a handle on this. <laughs> so Graves seems totally fine with this. He's like, it's Chase is fun. <laughs> 
And he brings forward his box that controls Icarus. Is he going to try to laser a rocket bobsled from space? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That seems like it's not going to work. You'd be surprised. (laughs) I I guess I'm about to. So he pushes a button and a ray of fire like explodes from the sky and follows Bond across the ice as he shoots across it. And he's like, this will follow Bond's heat signature and use the power of the sun to cause a death ray. Uh, sure. All right. Whatever you say, you're the engineer slash bone marrow transplant recipient. He's on the cutting cutting edge of science, Sam. Yes. I'm edge of my seat with how edgy the science is. It gets worse. So Bond is trying to stay ahead of this death ray, this giant wall of fire that's moving towards him in a line. And he ends up sliding off a cliff towards the ocean below. But luckily, there's like a pickaxe tool that shoots out of the thing to slow the machine down. And there's like a parachute. It kicks out and it grabs hold of the ice. And so he falls over the edge, but it's just dangling there with the pickaxe like into the cliff So he shoots off the edge and the anchor goes up behind him and manages to suspend the whole thing over the cliff. Yes. He climbs out of the little jet thing and pries off the trunk of it and he straps it to his feet or he just puts his feet on it and detaches Is he going to like jet surf? It's work. Well, yes, sort of. So he, d- he detaches the parachute <laughs> and the death laser like starts this avalanche like it cuts off the whole edge of the cliff and the cliff side the ice like falls into the ocean below and he parasurfs like away oh, on the waves. Oh god they brought the surfing back. <laughs> like there's this huge tidal wave from all the ice falling into the ocean and he just like surfs it out with the parachute behind him. Oh my gosh. It's That's like ridiculous. the craziest thing in a James Bond movie ever. <laughs> I thought the uh, surf in the beginning was bad. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So he surfs to shore, barely making it. And they don't notice this, I guess. They think he's dead. Yeah, obviously. And the bad guys are like, oh, well, our job's here is done. Let's go find Jinx, who is now trapped in Miranda's room. And they don't do anything to Jinx. They just go into the room and they're like, we're going to kill you later. Also, James Bond is dead. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the update. You'll have your news at 11, weather in just a minute. (laughs) It was crazy. I was like, what was that scene for? (laughs) For the audience, obviously. So meanwhile, Bond is on the coastline. He's trying to get back to the main complex. He rigs his parachute to like clothesline this guy that's driving by on a snowmobile. (laughs) It's pretty funny. And then he steals the snowmobile, heads back to the compound. Gotta go back. I know. So he's back at the compound. He's back outside Graves' home and he starts up his invisible car, which is all still just sitting there. Nobody's noticed it. <laughs> How do you find his invisible like, I would lose my invisible car he knows if I park in a parking lot. No, I, would, I can't find a car that I, that's visible that I park in a parking lot. I lose those all the time. I could. That's not in a parking lot, though. It's like off to the side of the building. Like it doesn't very- matter, Danielle. <laughs> I, I can't find my keys in my apartment and they're not invisible. I would lose that thing in two minutes. Well, I guess you could probably turn off the invisibility to find it, but he does not do that. And then it seems to imply that he like uses thermal imaging to try and find Jinx in the building. But as he's doing this, a snowmobile runs into his invisible car, <laughs> giving him away. <laughs> well, maybe don't park your invisible car in the middle of a snowmobile <laughs> track. pretty funny. And Zhao is like standing outside. And he oversees this happening and he's like, oh, that must be Bond. 
<laughs> and so he takes off in his own ammo-equipped car, and then Bond heads off, you know, with camouflage. And they have this whole car scene over this frozen lake, which is actually kind of a cool car scene. And the bad guys are loading up a plane, meanwhile, trying to make their escape. And prior to escaping, Gustav brings out his little doomsday starter box and uses Icarus. He's like, we're going to destroy the hotel. I don't know why. He wants to kill Jinx within it, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm assuming all the guests are gone. <laughs> the only people there are them. There's like a huge firefight happening outside. And the hotel is melting around them like House of Wax was in that one episode. It's just, it's just like it's water everywhere because apparently the space thing can like blow up cliff sides but can't blow up this hotel quickly. It can only like melt it from space. Well, the hotel is made of solid ice. I guess it's more resilient than nature. I guess so. And the two cars have spun around. They're back racing towards the hotel and they drive into the hotel, which is, you know, the whole front half is melted and they're racing through the melting halls, which is kind of a cool scene even though it goes on forever. So Drinks is trying to escape. She's stuck in the room. She can't get out. She's treading water trying to get out of here. And Bond gets stuck into a corner as that was like right on his tail. But then somehow, right in that moment, the camouflage, which had been blown out earlier, he could see him, the camouflage suddenly restores itself. Well, that's lucky. I know. Just as Zhao is about to drive into him and he pushes the camo button and backs up the car like out of the way and Zhao can't tell where he is and he ends up driving straight through where the car was and sails off into the first story of the ice hotel crashing Aww. into the ice below. So Bond, instead of just like shooting Zhao in the water, which I guess would have been not a noble enough death, he ends up uh -huh. shooting down a chandelier, which like plummets into the water below and the water like roils with blood like when there's a shark attack. Why do you have to get complicated? <laughs> it looks more dramatic that way. <laughs> James Bond is a drama queen. Hot bad guy is sadly dead. So Jinx is passed out on the water. He goes and rescues her. And he takes her into the jungle hot springs, which I guess is to save her from hypothermia. But he does no chest compressions, even though she drowned. So now she wakes up. He's like, oh, thank God. You know, like they kiss, you know. And there's a jump cut to South Korea demilitarized zone. And Graves and Miranda have escaped. And they're hiding out in North Korea. My understanding of this plan is they're planning to use Icarus to take out not only South Korea, but also Japan to, like, start okay. a war. Sure. <laughs> and so the Americans and English are working together. They're going to try and blow up Icarus using a missile. How can that be? I know. But instead of just trying that to see if it works first, they're like, we're also going to send in Bond and Jinx to, like, go and see if they can get these two this bad movie guys. is over yet? It's almost over. You have to go kill the bad guys first thing. We can't, like, they can't be hiding out and say, oh, the movie's over. Well, I mean, whatever. So they paraglide in. It's a very confusing scene. They're surfing again. Why not? Yeah, well, they don't. They, like, paraglide it or something. And the government tries to blow up Icarus, but somehow Icarus, like, zaps the missile from space and it blows up okay. the missile. Icarus still stands. <laughs> Well, sure. And a plane is taking off with the bad guys on it. And Bond and Jinx are now in North Korea, like run off to the plane and they sneak onto the plane. So they're like in the wheel well of the plane or whatever. Why are they leaving North Korea? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. the. I don't know the plan, Sam. It does not explain the plan or I didn't understand the plan. Okay. <laughs> and so they make it onto the plane. They somehow get into the plane. I don't know how that works when the plane was already taking off, but there we are. Of course. 
And so now Graves has been handed his new mini suit that he has that controls the device. It has the 100,000 volts. It has the little like VR simulator thing. He is like in control of this device. And Bond is trying to go through the play and he's trying to find him. He finally makes it to Graves, who's like monologuing hardcore about how he's going to take out the entire world. And he goes to shoot him, but is like cut off by a guard and the bullet ends up going astray. It shoots through the window of the plane. And of course the whole plane like goes into depressurization and the windows explode and people are getting sucked out through the windows. Oh yeah. Gotta do <laughs> as, that. as it happens. And somehow in this whole mess, Jinx has taken over control of the plane. She's trying to like write it as it like plummets towards earth. And Bond and Graves get into this huge fight scene. And somehow Jinx stabilizes the plane, but immediately gets waylaid by Miranda. Oh, yeah, she's yeah, still around. Yeah, I, I, like, I was like, when she showed up, I was like, oh, yeah, Miranda's there. <laughs> I've forgotten she existed. We all did. Now, for no reason whatsoever, Sam, she's in like a bra, crop top, gloves. Uh, sure. Like gloves that go up to her elbows and she has a sword in her hand. <laughs> I mean, she's styling, Danielle. Don't be, don't be judging. It's amazing. So she's like holding the knife to her throat and it was like, put the plane on autopilot and come with me. I'm going to kill you. Maybe autopilot's not the best option when the plane is heavily, I don't know. That's, that's, that's asking for trouble. Well, it's, and the it kind of is because Jinx, as she's like putting it on autopilot, secretly changes the position of the plane so now it's flying towards the death laser that is oh okay it's taking out the minefield that was there and it's heading towards south korea so the plane finally ends up meeting kind of up with icarus like off to the side of it and so it starts to like shake and the plane is like falling apart beneath them and for some reason there's a sword room on this plane like, there's just swords everywhere, so they're in the middle of this huge sword fight. They're, like, trying to stab I mean, each other. You can't get those through the TSA, <laughs> so you have to bring them with you. Yeah. Well, like, on the plane it's already. It's insane. There's, like, it's like an armor sword room on this plane for no reason. And they're having this huge fight, and Jinx finally managed to overcome Miranda, and she stabs her through the heart. Bond, sadly, is not doing as well. Graves has electrocuted him with his 100,000 volts of electricity with his magic arm, and he falls to the ground and Graves is like, okay, well, this is my time to go. I'm going to grab my parachute here. Peace out. And he like puts his parachute on and he's about to go jump off the plane. But of course, he comes back for one more word and he gives his parting words to- Foolish. I know. He gives his parting words to Bond and Bond ends up pulling the tag that opens his parachute and he gets like sucked out the door of the plane, the big hole. It's right in the into plane. the laser, right? No. So he sucks through the hole. He grabs hold of it. He's like on the edge of it. He's like holding on. And I don't know how this works. Maybe you can explain it to me. Bond walks up and like pushes the button on his suit that controls the electricity and it zaps graves. Uh, <laughs> why would you have that feature built what? into your glove? Why would it zap And him? how would Bond know about it? Is it because he's holding on to the metal? Like, I didn't understand. Understand. I was like, why would that ever happen? <laughs> I have no idea, Danielle. I was really, you were like my last hope. I was hoping that Sorry. you would. <laughs> I, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know how his magic, I was against this whole glove thing from the start, Danielle, <laughs> so. 
I was just so confused. And so he like lets go of the door frame and then he ends up getting sucked into the jet engines of the plane, just for good measure. Like you do. So now they need to get off the plummeting plane. They open the back of the plane up, which conveniently has a helicopter in it. And they get inside. Sure. You know, they get inside the helicopter. The helicopter like slides out of the plane and it's also plummeting with the plane. And he's trying to get started, trying to get started. Of course, it's not starting. And he finally gets the helicopter started and barely makes it out alive. And the movie ends with Bond and Jinx having landed the helicopter by some tiny house along a beautiful coastline. And they're having more naked times together the end as you would yeah oh well <laughs> that was a movie that was too long <laughs> it's a long movie it's like over two hours that was a lot of nonsense danielle i warned you i warned you that it got weirder in the second half i don't know if it got weirder in the second half like it just got dumber <laughs> And they just like, it's like they stop trying. Yeah, at some point it definitely starts to like they just make up stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't understand how the space laser works. I don't understand why that was a thing. Like, yeah, they never bring up the diamonds again after the space space lasers oh, mentioned. Yeah. Those were a thing too, right? <laughs> or, or like the, the the reverse aging clinic. Maybe that was a thing. Yeah, that's no weird that they mentioned that the reverse aging and then it turned out that it was really just like they turned into a different person. <laughs> yeah, it's like the ultimate identity theft factory where they're kidnapping people and turning them into other people. That seems like something that might be of interest to the various secret agencies around the world. Like that would have been a good plot. Like I have to say, all the various dastardly schemes in this movie, <laughs> the space laser one's perhaps the least interesting <laughs> and like the least threatening one also. Like the clinic, the diamonds... All that stuff seems way more of a story than a clumsy space laser that isn't really that good. I agree. And I think it's more – the more interesting stuff is the the diamonds and the the aging clinic, which could have been a whole plot of its own. Think about the espionage stuff that could be done if you could like kidnap James Bond or another high-level agent and like swap them out and then insert them back into the agency. That's true. That's like a Manchurian candidate kind of thing. You know, oh, there's a mole, but any one of us could have been kidnapped napped and turned into this person we have no idea it could be anyone like that's a thriller or right there. sort of the plot of mission impossible well i mean kind of except instead of using a, a dumb rubber mask that's magic, <laughs> magic it's magic gene mask. therapy <laughs> Yeah, it's either they threw in the space laser at the end, or they had the space laser at the beginning and were trying to figure out how to get to it, but the plot that they wrote on either end was like, it didn't match. (laughs) It was like two different plot lines that they tried to sew together. I haven't seen a lot of James Bond movies, but what I've learned from your description of this one is that James Bond is wildly unprofessional (laughs) and borderline incompetent. (laughs) MI6 is definitely incompetent, and M, whom I respect and love because it's Judi Dench, needs to do better. I don't know how this stacks up in the pantheon of James Bond films in terms of like quality. Okay, there or are much better sense. James Bond films out there. Does that mean like more fun? Because this sounds like it's crazy. It's a pretty fun watch. Yeah. I hadn't seen it in a while. It's fun to watch again. Look, let me just put this out to the audience right now. Colonel Moon didn't really have a plan for his space sun mirror thing. Well, he wanted to take over the world. His plan was to destroy South Korea and Japan. Yeah, that's a dumb plan. <laughs> like, it was all... It's- like, why announce it to the world in the first place and then have this dumb plan? Like, everyone knows who's like, maybe just have a secret laser. Don't tell people about no, it. No, I agree. Telling people about it makes absolutely no sense. So my question to the listeners is this. What would you do with <laughs> a giant space death ray? Like, what would your plan be that is better than Colonel Moon's... And connected, I actually want to know what 
what you would use the space light for, not just the laser feature. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. I can shine a light on like is it i'm sure it's not a very big area it's only like like 10 feet across it sounds like from what you're talking it about lit up the whole room yeah but how big is the room it's a very big room it was like a chamber it was like the whole hotel lobby okay so hotel lobby so it's not like an entire farm though well, i don't know how big it would be in an outside space these questions how did it get through not- the roof of the building it, uh it was out open was i outside sam i don't know <laughs> <laughs> point is if you have a light that can illuminate, let's just say an average hotel lobby in size, what would you use that for? Yeah, I'd be curious. So if you have those proposals and you can write a grant application to us and we can see <laughs> if we can get your idea funded. That's the way to get people to write it. If you would like to write us a grant. <laughs> no, no, we're, they're writing the application for the grant. I know, but nobody wants to put together an application for a grant. Yeah, but they might get a grant from us, Danielle, to build their space laser. <laughs> Yes, all that imaginary money we have to give out to space lasers. Danielle, I didn't say anything about money. <laughs> Quiet, you're blowing my spot up here. Oh, sorry. Continue. Ignore me, everybody. <laughs> if you want to write us a grant application for a space For your laser. space laser proposal, you can find us at bookretorts.com. Or you can tweet, Facebook, Instagram us at bookretorts. So uh, until next time. Which won't have space lasers. Well, it might. Uh, I have no control over that. It'll be Sam's turn. <laughs> Well, we'll see what comes of it, but they'll definitely not be called Icarus. And also, why was it called Icarus if it never, like, nothing ever happened to it? Uh, because it was his downfall. But it wasn't his downfall. He didn't die in the space laser. He died by a jet engine. It's dumb. <laughs> because of, it was, like, indirectly related to the space laser. It, it was almost irrelevant to his dying. <laughs> like, he could have just had a shot glove and a parachute on, and the exact same thing would have happened. The laser was inconsequential. And it was like a superhero wearing capes sucked into the jet engine. Anyway, until next time, just stay out of the light, I guess. <laughs> and bye. Bye, everybody. Take care. Minimum effort. That's our podcast motto. So I have a question for the for the Google. Hang on a second. <laughs> you have a question for the Google. I'm going to let my <laughs> comment about our minimum effort hang out there. Wow, way to confirm it, Danielle. <laughs>